Welcome to the Littler Artificial Intelligence and Robotics Podcast. Conversations about employers integrating robotics and AI systems into their workplaces in the United States and worldwide. Welcome to the first in a series of podcasts on how AI and robotics are creating opportunities and posing challenges in the world of HR and employment law. I'm Natalie Pierce, a shareholder in Littler's San Francisco office and co-chair of our Robotics, AI, and Automation Industry Group. I'm joined by Raul Perrick, a partner with GQ Littler, which is Littler's London office. We're going to start today with a cautionary tale about automation gone wrong. Raul? Thanks, Natalie. So this story starts when an employee named Ibrahim Diallo turned up to work at his programming job in LA. He gets to his office, but his key card won't let him through the gate. That's not a problem, though. He knows the security guard and he gets through. So far, so humdrum. But things get worse the next day. This time, Ibrahim can't get into the parking lot. Luckily, another friendly security guard who knows him is on hand. But then, Ibrahim gets to his desk and he finds that he can't log into any of the company's IT systems. A big problem for a programmer. The next part of the story is Ibrahim getting a call from the recruiter who found him the position. She's panicked and asked if he's okay. She says she's received an email saying Ibrahim has been terminated. So Ibrahim goes to his manager who reassures him and tells him that he is definitely not fired. His manager gets her manager involved and that manager makes some calls. But before anyone can find out what's going on, security arrives and escorts Ibrahim from the building. In fact, Ibrahim never made it back to work. The problem turned out to be that a departing manager had failed to indicate that Ibrahim's contract had been renewed, setting in train a series of automatic processes that cancelled his keycard, then disabled his accounts, and then instructed security to remove him when he attempted to use his keycard. In the end, it took three weeks for senior management to unravel this mess, and by that time, Ibrahim had had enough and had taken another role. And that's the story of how Ibrahim became the first person we know of to be fired by a computer. And he's been telling that story of automation gone wrong ever since. Thanks, Errol. I, I find that story really crazy. It's like a fictional example someone would make up to prove a point. But it's been in the news all around the world as an example of the risks of automation. So we're hoping to spend some time on this podcast looking at more of the positives how automation can help businesses streamline their operations, increase productivity and employee morale, and help conquer unconscious bias. We're also going to take a look at legal pitfalls to avoid as the law struggles to keep pace with automation. Okay, but before we get to that, Natalie, I think we should define what automation is. What are we talking about when we use the term? Sure. Uh, So in the example you just gave, it sounds more like a case of unchecked automated HR, where a manager failed to check a box and set in motion a series of HR-related security procedures that would otherwise be carried out by a human. We teach the computer what the rules are for a task, and it considers whether the information fed into it passes these rules or fails them. So in your cautionary tale, the automated decision was correct according to the rules it was taught, but it was fed the wrong information. Human error will always be the 
fatal flaw. Now, one could argue that had a smarter automated system been in place, perhaps one using a form of artificial intelligence, it could have allowed the computers to mimic human behavior so that time-consuming tasks could be completed by computer and security could be maximized, uh, while also allowing for the program to learn from data sets how to validate critical events like the termination of employment. What we're going to do today is look in a little more depth at what automation can do for HR today, then think about the future. Where is automation going and what will be possible tomorrow? We'll be joined by one of your colleagues, Rolf, uh, also from London, to talk about how those changes might work under UK law. Okay, so what's possible today in the world of automation? Here are three examples that we've come across with our clients. First off, the most entrenched is probably document automation. So here, HR staff complete a questionnaire, and as a result, letters, employment contracts, and term sheets are automatically populated and produced. It's a massive time saver, and it reduces cost, it reduces variation, and it cuts out errors. And getting a little more sophisticated than that, performance management software measures productivity on a granular basis and provides automated alerts to managers. For example, warehouse workers are monitored for picking rate and time recording software can measure how much time employees are spending on work-related content and programs. These figures are increasingly being used to automatically dictate remuneration, benefits, and disciplinary records. Going a step further, employers are introducing predictive analytics software to improve safety performance. This is achieved through employee participation in collection of observation data using mobile apps to upload photos to report hazards. Companies can use this information to reduce recordable incidents by learning through indicators which hazards have higher incidence, and in this way anticipate which interventions in the company's safety initiatives have the greatest impact. I guess another example, Natalie, is um, HR management software, where several process management tools are integrated. What that means is that onboarding, payroll, holiday sickness management, and performance will all be accessed and changed through a single platform. And that enables variations in one aspect of the employee's records, for example, a change in work location, to be automatically updated in other areas like correspondence address or payroll center. All employees' data is stored in a single site. Yes, these are great examples. Let me shift our focus to how the law is keeping up with this level of automation. Clients are often frustrated that regulations do not keep pace with technology because this inevitably impacts the speed of adoption of transformative technologies in the workplace due to the uncertainty that this breeds. New developments emerge and take years or even decades to be reflected in legislation or judicial decisions. This means that new technology is being forced into an inflexible frame of old law. You can really see that clearly if you look at the problems the gig economy has caused for employment status and employment rights. HR professionals and employment lawyers are facing this hurdle as technology and automation increasingly makes the laws and regulations governing the employment relationship look archaic and out of date. Okay, so now we're going to come down from the theory and look at a practical example. 
You heard Natalie talk about the way automation is being used in warehouses today. Tracking picking rate and other metrics to assess performance is commonplace. But the systems generally operate by generating alerts for human managers to consider, not by taking any actions themselves. The principle of automation is, of course, to move tasks from humans to machines. And as automation develops, the sophistication of tasks that can be automated grows. If you like, the automation creeps further up the hierarchy. The natural next stage, therefore, is for decisions on warnings and other sanctions, maybe even dismissal, to be taken automatically. To take a closer look at all this, I'm going to introduce you to my colleague, Donald Breen. Welcome, Donald. Thanks, Raoul. It's good to be here. Donald is an associate from the London team, and he's going to take us through some of the challenges automated decision-making may face from an employment lawyer's view of the world. This episode, we're going to focus on the UK, so Donald will give you the answers from a UK perspective. Thanks, Raoul. Okay, so first of all, let's look at our cautionary tale of poor Ibrahim who got fired by the computer. In the UK, the first question we'd ask is that can a computer really give good notice of termination? The short answer is actually yes. So unlike some European countries, such as Germany, there's no need for a wetting signature on a dismissal notice, and there are no strict rules about who is authorised to dismiss. Interestingly, there's actually no statutory requirements as to the mechanics of giving notice of termination of employment. That leaves us with common law, and that simply states that notice must be one, actually given, and two, effectively communicated. There's no guidance on who must give the notice, meaning that an automatically generated letter could in fact be good notice and you might be out of a job because of the computer. Basically, there's nothing in the law that stops a robot from firing a human worker. And what about longer serving employees, Donal? Is there a process to follow there? Ah, yes. So the complicating factor is that once an employee has two years service here in the UK, there needs to be a fair reason for dismissing them, and you must also follow a fair process. Automating that part of dismissal is a lot more difficult, and I, I think that we're still some way off having technology be able to perform that. All right, but let's just imagine for one moment that technology could handle an automated performance improvement process for, um, let's say, warehouse pickers. So. The computer will set some targets for low performers, it will notify them of their progress, and ultimately, if their progress isn't what the computer expects, it will make the decision to dismiss. Can you think of any specific UK laws that could be a roadblock to that sort of AI decision making? Well, the main legislation here actually comes from the EU, the topic of the day, and is applicable in the UK and all of the 27 member states. So I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast will have heard of GDPR. That's the EU's General Data Protection Regulation. GDPR is an all-pervasive piece of legislation that has really changed the landscape of how data is processed in the EU. It interacts with all aspects of business that process data, and that includes our HR departments. And yes, before anyone writes in to ask, the UK has already committed to applying the same standards after Brexit. So GDPR's rules will stay applicable well into the future. So what does GDPR say about 
automated decision making? It says a lot, actually. And the first is that employees have the right to be informed about and importantly object to automated decision making. So immediately you will need to consider if there will be significant pushback from employees. I also said that they have a right to object. And what that means in practice is that employees who are fired could ask for a human review of their decision. Now, employers need to work out whether that means, in reality, every adverse decision will have to be looked at again, and that's going to kill off any efficiency savings. Or will, in fact, most employees simply <laughs> accept their AI-determined fate? More generally, under GDPR, employees have rights of information regarding how their data is processed and who is processing it. So therefore, employers will need to ensure that those third-party providers that are crunching large amounts of data are doing so securely and in line with data protection laws. Thanks very much, Donald. Raul, let's take a step back. Looking outside of the UK and EU, are there more universal issues employers should consider? What about the growing trend we are seeing with employers around the globe using predictive analytics tools and artificial intelligence-based solutions in connection with employment-related decisions? Sure. I mean, let's let's imagine, for example, that employers are using AI to profile employees and applicants. So searching their online presence and making assessments in terms of their characteristics about whether they'd be a good fit for the company. Quite apart from the legal issues, you might find there as an employer that you don't have popular opinion on your side. Just look at the scrutiny that Facebook are under at present as some of what they're doing comes to light. And of course, as Donald told you earlier, you need to be informing the data subjects about what you're doing. So this isn't something that you can keep to yourselves. This also raises interesting questions in terms of discrimination. Let's say the AI program looks at key performance indicators and consistently recommends promoting or hiring white males. Have you got an inherently racist or misogynist algorithm there? And what's that going to do to your workforce? Without proper oversight, I think there's a risk that you end up sleepwalking into a discrimination lawsuit. On the flip side, you can argue that automation levels the playing field when assessing performance, removing managers' unconscious bias from the process, and potentially protecting your company from claims of discrimination. Here in the U.S., we're certainly recognizing that potential and uh, we see employers and government agencies continue to grapple with the growing use of algorithms to make employment decisions. We see the challenges and we see the opportunities. I think that's fair, Natalie. It really does depend on how the system is designed and also the information that's fed into it. Properly programmed, I do think that AI can help eliminate subconscious bias in managers. But if it doesn't go well, if you're not using it properly, the risk is that your AI simply mimics existing decisions and any current lack of diversity in your workforce is embedded even more reliably than with a human process that might be consciously trying to overcome that. Last off, I do think there is a danger here of what gets lost when you're converting decision-making to ones and zeros. Can attributes like potential or fresh strategy get lost when there's an over-reliance on automation? 
I think this is particularly an issue in the realms of recruitment and promotion. Or perhaps I'm just being a typical arrogant human and actually AI is going to be better at spotting that than we are. I think we should always consider the value that a good HR person or a perceptive manager can add to these processes. I think that's exactly right. The basic lesson today might be to remember to maintain some human oversight on any automated systems. Using automated systems, pulling from diverse data sets, we can do so many uh, positive things in the workplace. We can increase the availability of information on which to rely on for decisions. We can increase the reliability of information that's drawn from different sources. We can increase the accuracy of decision-making criteria, uh, specifically by applying algorithms to tether hiring criteria to objective performance measures. And again, the optimistic hope is that we can reduce bias, both explicit and implicit bias. And employers can use predictive model questions such as how to identify diverse new talent from non-traditional sources, which applicants are likely to be best performers, which are the best performing employees, which employees are the most adaptable to change or the most critical to the organization, and can also help answer questions like which employees are likely to voluntarily quit in the next six months, for example. However, I think the takeaway from our discussion today certainly is that when using sophisticated tools to help us answer these very questions, we need to keep human eyes on the answers we are given and be careful about the tools we use, what we measure, and what we ask. I'll give you one final example that I think helps also make the point. Analysts have learned that visitors to certain Japanese manga sites are often good coders. No one is likely to argue that individuals enhance their coding skills by spending time on those sites, but those with an aptitude for coding share an appreciation for manga. This is a case in which two traits, an appreciation for manga and coding aptitude are correlated, but neither causes the other. So. The analytics methods of big data can be in tension with various discrimination laws. To the extent the correlations those methods discover overlap with protected employee characteristics. Bottom line, remember to not only vet the program you're using through validation studies and pilot programs, but also the reliability of the data being mined. Always keep human eyes on the outcomes and remember to audit, test, and retest. That brings us to the end of our podcast. I would very much like to thank Raul and Donal and those of you listening to us. For more information about our robotics and AI practice, you can visit us at littler.com or contact any one of us. Thanks very much. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue.
to discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice. Visit littler.com slash podcasts.